please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac. And I'm Chloe. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter three of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Hiya. Hiya, love. How are you? I'm all right. With the whole quarantine sitch, my sleeping hasn't been great. I don't know. Have you been experiencing that? I'm actually doing okay. I think... To be honest, I've been really grateful for the puppy because of that. Since we brought him home, he's always been on quite a strict schedule. God, it sounds so sad. It's like having a baby. So yeah, every night really, we're going to bed half 10, 11, getting up about eight o'clock to feed him. So that's kept me really in sync. Mm. But you don't have that. No, I mean, I work from home. But I think we all know working from home is very flexible. (laughs) (laughs) I can't complain. I am so fortunate that I have a job during these times. So many people that I know personally have lost their businesses or their jobs. Oh, we're such Debbie Downers in this fucking opening. Sorry. You know what brightened my day uh, yesterday? I had a little joy. A little bit of joy. And then it went away. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of like routine and things... I had decided that I was not going to shave as often as I normally would. Oh, I see, yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I really didn't know how visible it would be on FaceTime. (laughs) I too have done the same. (laughs) Just for the listeners, we're both sat here with full beards. Chloe's is down to her knees. I've not yet thrown towels over all the mirrors, but I'm thinking about it. Do you find your bathroom mirror is the worst one it's the most judgmental of your face it's one of the most judgmental though to be honest the bathroom mirror at my place of work where obviously i'm not going at the moment is the most harsh mirror i've (laughs) ever come across in my life i can leave the house thinking i look perfectly fine and get to work go to the toilet and go oh I can have a full monobrow at work and it's fine at home. You have never had a monobrow in your life. Another couple of weeks of this and I <laughs> Oh, that should be the new kind of quarantine goal. You know, you're joking, but I did think... <laughs> When lockdown was announced, and we're making light of this because we have to. You, you know, have if you don't to, laugh, yeah. You know, it's a horrible, horrible situation, but we got to find the joy. But genuinely, one of the first things that for some reason came into my head was, oh, I'm not going to be leaving the house for maybe months. This is a real opportunity to really work on my eyebrows. <laughs> like buying wax? Like I know, I was thinking more that I might grow them back a bit more. Oh. Okay, look, if I were to leave my eyebrows as they were, they would join in the middle and they would cover my face until eventually they they would like hit the cheekbone. Um, so my eyebrows are a very different shape to what they would be naturally. And I just thought, well, maybe I'll just grow them in a bit more. Right. Maybe I'll go for a slightly bushier look. I love a bushy eyebrow. But to be honest, I've come to the conclusion I don't think this is the time. Um, this is the time for consistency. This <laughs> would be the time. If not in a lockdown. (laughs) I don't think there is a time, Chloe. (laughs) Um, I'm actually 
actually really disgusted with myself that I keep shaving my legs. What? Why? Yeah, well, because sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll just be nice to myself. Right. And I've got really nice moisturiser, but... I only shave up to my knee. Well, that's fine. As long as it is for you, because you're the only person to experience it. Because the thing is, you'd think I would have fair hair. I do not. And it comes out like Wolverine after a week. Speaking of, so this is where I started with my joy. So I don't grow a a lot of facial hair. It's patchy. It's disgusting. So using the term growing out my facial hair is probably not accurate. But I've been neglecting to remove my facial hair. And it just looks, I look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Oh. So more context. I've been dyeing my hair ginger for years and years and years and years and years and I love it and that's how I see myself. But I don't have naturally ginger hair. I have discovered through this time of not shaving as regularly as I normally would that on my chin I have ginger hairs. I was gonna say it looks a little ginge. My mind was blown. I was so excited. Although I will never be, I don't think I'll ever be able to grow a full beard, so no one will ever see this. I now have the joy of knowing that within the follicles of my chin... um, (laughs) There is the ginger gene. There lies some natural ginger. (laughs) My plan was that I would shave every Friday, and I didn't shave on Friday. I shave every Friday! Oh my god, we are so in (gasps) sync! shave day yes, that's my shave day <laughs> just ready for the weekend of continuing to stay in the house. <laughs> shall we um shall we crack a book <laughs> yeah let's crack a book it's your responsibility this episode to do the plot in chapter three phenomenon it is tuesday january 25th 2005 <laughs> I think it's important. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, thank you for that. Bo wakes up to find that it has snowed overnight. He has a surprisingly easy drive to school, and when he arrives, he notices that that is because Charlie has put snow chains on his truck. As Bo is looking at his snow chains, a girl called Taylor skids on the ice and almost crushes Bo with her van. But he's pushed out of the way by Edith, who he'd just seen standing four cars away. Bo is confused, certain that Edith couldn't have gotten to him in time but Edith insists that she had been right next to him when Taylor's van began to skid. At the hospital, Bo is looked over by Dr. Cullen, who tells him that he is fine to go home. Before he leaves, Bo confronts Edith and demands an explanation, which she refuses to give. That night, Bo has his first dream about Edith. That's our chapter three. That's phenomenon. Phenomenon? Phenomenon. 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 Mm -hmm. We never really had a chance to chat about chapter titles before, have we? No, maybe we haven't. I mean, I I mean, there were some. Mm, I don't know. I would have called it something different. Like Wonder Woman. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Is that your general feeling about this chapter? Yes! Okay. This is a short chapter. <laughs> it is a short chapter, which is great. Um, how do we feel about Bo's reaction to the tyres? So glad you asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a lot to say about this back in Twilight. Bella's state of mind, because I think I argued at the time, he's her father and he did the responsible thing to keep his child alive. That should not be so shocking as to prompt tears. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the van coming to kill him 
was a very good distraction to stop him crying. <laughs> it's almost got a bit of like, oh, saved by the bell. Like, oh, I nearly felt something there. Thank God I was crushed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a bit last episode about there was a really clunky phrase with Bo kind of acknowledging the patriarchy in himself. Ugh, yeah. I had a little bit of that here. Yes. It's important character information, but when Bo is going through the whole snow chain drama and he's like, this isn't how this should work. He has a really strong reaction. Like, yeah. this isn't the way it should be. Charlie is looking after me. I should be looking after him. Yeah. And then it's like the penny drops and he goes, except that actually it kind of was. That was how it worked in books and on TV shows, but it made me feel upside down in a strange way. Ugh. That little paragraph just came across as so false to me. I know. That's telling, not showing. This character has the expectation that he should be the caregiver and he doesn't know how to accept care himself. We knew that. It's far more effective to build that up through little interactions. Yeah. And the way that the character responds to things. When you've got a first person narration here, it's just very clunky to just drop in there. Do you know what it is? Tell me, Chloe. It's lazy writing. Oh, there <laughs> it is. That's what it is. I've said it. You're not wrong. I never am. <laughs> not to mention the fact it made me feel upside down in a strange oh, way. But being upside down is quite strange. I was upside down in the way that I absolutely expected. <laughs> As usual on Tuesdays, I was upside down. It is always a Tuesday. That's when I like to be hung upside down. Okay, so... Taylor. Taylor in her truck. I was fooled. I thought we had found the character, the other character that hadn't been changed. I had the same thought. Phil was the first one, right? Yes. And it took us so long to reveal at the end of the chapter that Taylor is now a woman. And I thought, for fuck's sake. I had the same thing. I read the whole chapter and I was like, oh, wow. Interesting choice to just have not changed the name. She has changed the name. The guy who nearly hits Bella is called Tyler. Oh, shit. <laughs> but I had the same thing. I thought Taylor, unisex name. <laughs> Damn it. Poor Taylor in her van. Yeah, cool that she's got a van. Taylor in her big blue van. Yeah, why not? I love that. Um, yeah. Not great that she's been in an accident, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bless. So now can we get on to the best bit? What's the best bit? The best bit is that we see a female character save a male character's life, and I'm so there for it. I love it! Maybe it was just in all the gender swappery of it, but I, it didn't even occur to me. Yeah, I'm like, yes, fucking girl power. You save that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. We've got our female superhero. Yes. And I love female superheroes. You do. They're the best kind, frankly. Controversial to say, maybe. Male superheroes boring they're so boring our wonder women our captain marvels our storms yeah i love storm oh i love storm i think storm is how i became gay i remember watching the film and obviously it's hallie fucking berry and in the first film she's got the long white hair yes and she looks fabulous so then when i first watched that film what i would do is i would spend my days in the garden and just trying to control the clouds <laughs> Oh my god, that is so cute. <laughs> Do you know what happens to a toad that gets struck by lightning? Same as everything else. <laughs> One of the best lines ever written. <laughs> I remember my dad telling me 
that I would watch the animated X-Men series. Do you remember like... Yes, He said that I used to watch that cartoon and be really, really angry when there was an episode without Storm. And I remember him telling me that when I was in my mid-teens and being like, oh, I'm gay. That white costume with the wrists oh, attached yes. to that cape—it was iconic. I definitely tried to do that with like dressing gown cords or something. <laughs> it just never had the same effect. <laughs> I'm thrilled. Yeah. Go on. Do you have more? <laughs> I just—I think, in a way, it's a shame that this has come ten years after the original. Because I think in 2005, it would have been so fucking important for teenage girls like me to read that a female protagonist can save a man. It would have changed the course of my complete relationship history and I would probably be married by now. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, that's quite quite a lot to lay at the feet of this novel. But you know what? I'm with you on why wasn't this book released? Why wasn't this the book that was really i mean obviously we know why we know why and also Um, if you think back to 2005 with a female lead being the superhero basically it wouldn't have gone down as well i don't think maybe not i mean but then we had in 2005 buffy had been off the air for two years so we needed someone (laughs) we had female heroes they existed yeah but would twilight have been a big hit that's a good question if Life and Death had been released in the place of Twilight, would there have been a film adaptation as quickly? Would the film adaptation have taken off? Would we have had Twilight Mania? Same for Harry Potter. Would Harry Potter have been the same if it had been Henrietta? I I don't know. I feel that we both agree that the protagonist of Harry Potter is Hermione Granger. Oh, absolutely. Actually, for me, it's Professor McGonagall. (laughs) Hard to have a protagonist who's absent for most of the final book, but you can do it. She's always there. She's always When you there. read it, exactly, it doesn't matter what yeah, the author exactly. intends. If you read yeah. that book and you go, ah, but Minerva's there. Yeah, she's there. <laughs> read between the lines. She's in the walls. <laughs> oh dear. That's great though. Can I just say, when I first watched Wonder Woman, which was, I think, maybe last month, I cried. Oh. I was so emotional. Just the beginning of all these women being warriors. I was like, this is so beautiful. And you, we've said it before. Hate superheroes. <laughs> You're just not into it. I really don't get it. But that film touched you. It really did. It was just so powerful. Like my flatmate at the time, I had to apologise profusely. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so emotional. But I was like, you don't understand how rare this is to see just all women riding horseback, being badass it was so beautiful so superhero edith the description of her hypnosis i thoroughly enjoyed oh okay do do delve yeah it's a little bit more detailed than the description of edwards Bo is still lying on the concrete and he's saying you were over there and she's saying no i wasn't she stared at me and something strange happened it was like the gold of her eyes turned up like her eyes were drugging me hypnotizing me It was devastating in a weird, exciting way. Oh my god, that's quite erotic. That is very erotic! Her expression was anxious. I thought she was trying to communicate something crucial. I just thought it was cool, that expression turning up the gold in her eyes. 
because it's kind of an impossibility, but your mind sees it. Mm, mm. So then we go to the hospital. Remember I said I want to keep an eye out for where I might be tempted to praise Bo, but really we just expect less of men. Yeah. I was just going to let this slide because Bella did the same thing. You know, the urgency to remove the neck brace, the kind of over-egged mm. embarrassment at being cared for medically. Yeah. Bo does all the same things. And that's maybe an example of something that is kind of acceptable with Bella. It's still unfortunate that she feels that way, mm. but her preoccupation with not seeming weak is more understandable. Bo, get over yourself. Mm. Keep the neck brace on. Let the medical professionals look after you, please. Yeah. So we still don't know what Dr. Cullen's name is. We don't. I feel like I might know it. There's a chapter called Carlisle in Twilight. Yes just i don't want to skip ahead and cheat right now yeah don't but do i know it. that i've seen the name it escapes me ah interesting okay good please don't go back to it until we get there it sounds like carlisle i can it's on the tip of my tongue but i don't probably like carlotta or something like casey carly cook kaylee callie carrie i prefer carlotta i had a real problem with how she was described She's a mix of Audrey Hepburn, Grace Kelly and Marilyn Monroe. How can you be all these women? Which one do you want me to be? This is a weird sentence and in more ways than one. But it's not just that she looks like a mix of those three movie stars. It's that she looks like someone sliced up Audrey Hepburn, Grace Kelly and Marilyn Monroe, took the best parts and glued them together to form one goddess. That's very particular imagery. It's quite uh, Frankenstein-esque. Yes. Something a little medical about it. It's a focus on bodies. Mm. I just found that very uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable description to use of an attractive woman. I get what's trying to be communicated. It's the same thing that we've been trying to get across in these novels since the beginning. The This idea of impossible beauty. Mm. So there is no one on earth quite so beautiful. No. Anyway. Moving on. They're off the ward and they have this back and forth. Bo is sure of what he's seen. Edith is contradicting that. Mm-hmm. I've written here, gaslighting is gaslighting. Yes. We had a big problem with this in Twilight. And this, in a way, created the foundation of our unsavoury feelings towards this mm-hmm. pairing. How do you feel about it here? I know. Is it because she's a woman that you're like, well, she's trying to save you and it's for the greater good? Mm. There is a reasoning behind this. It's not because she's being cruel. But then all of that was true of Edward. Yes, but Edward's a cock. Yeah. I think the characterization is different. There's literally a moment um, earlier on mm. on the ward where Edith still laughs in all the same places that Edward laughed, but they're described differently. There's one point where Bella looks over and describes Edward's patronizing smile. In Life and Death, the word patronizing is just not there. Oh. There's so many of these things where Bella views Edward as patronizing or condescending smirking and the same language isn't used to describe edith and whether that is supposed to tell us something about beau as our narrator that he looks on her in a less cynical way i don't blame bella for being more cynical though because of her experience as a woman mm. that beau hasn't had it it's not easy it's not and maybe she is being patronizing and he just doesn't see it yeah exactly we don't know what her intentions are because we're getting beau's lens on this my instinct, though, ultimately is to say gaslighting is still gaslighting. And it is important to say that, I think. As a vampire trying not to reveal her secret identity, of course I understand. Yeah. Of course that is what makes sense for this vampire to be doing, to be saying to this human, 
I think in the context of what we know is going to develop into a romantic relationship, and as the beginnings of this romantic relationship, this is not a good foundation. <laughs> no. And maybe that's where our response to it from Edward came, and that's where it's still there for me. And then, yes, his first night that he dreams of Edith Cullen. Yes. Is this the time? From your question last time? Yeah, my burning question. I think it could be. I think it could be. Let's see next chapter when he wakes up. (laughs) So tell me, Isaac, what's your best and worst bits? I'll start. Shall I start with my best bit? Is that what we do? No, start with your worst bit for once, because it's nice to end on a good note. Okay. We don't do that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We've already covered my worst bit, but it was the description of Dr. Cullen. Me too! That was my worst bit. Yeah. I mean, this is a short chapter. It's only 10 pages long. There was only so much that they could do wrong. (laughs) But that sentence was really wrong. That was yours too? That was mine too, yeah. I've already said my best bit. She's a fucking superhero. I love it. And I wish that was my best bit. I wish I'd thought of that. I feel silly. My best bit is just at the end of the chapter, actually, as they're going home. I just thought Charlie's care for Beau. It's almost word for word what happens with Bella. There's a little bit of, you know, masking it up with uh, Charlie put one arm out towards me like he thought I needed support. Whereas I think in Twilight, he actually does support Bella physically. But still, it's there. Charlie's care. There's no talk of like a survivor or a strength. There's nothing puts any of that on it. It is Charlie is worried out of his mind for his child and wants to physically and emotionally support him. And that is great to see. Burning question time! <laughs> That's what fire sounds like. I don't know if you knew that, but that is, that's exactly what fire sounds like. Okay, so I've got like a two-parter of a burning question. So, okay, so I'm going to start with, well, something a little different. A couple of weeks ago, we got a message on our Instagram from Mary. So Mary says, I'm not trying to be judgy, but I honestly don't know. Many times the comments you make are critical and matter of fact, and other times you don't seem so bothered to talk shop and discuss. So I have to ask, do you love it or do you loathe it? Chloe, do you have an answer? I love to hate it. Okay. Because it brings me joy. It's our childhood and it is reminiscent of so many memories that we share and of our friendship developing to where it is now. And it's nice to remember when we were reading it what we were also doing. And it, I think it's quite clear it has affected our lives massively. Oh, yeah. This This novel and the way we think about it. But it is not good (laughs) it is not a good saga but it's it's hard it's funny this question should come up because i understand those fans who may listen to this podcast and be like no but twilight is amazing i understand because you grew up with this love story and for me i'm more a fan of the classics and i've recently because we're in quarantine i recently have rewatched classics like pride and prejudice wuthering heights jane eyre these relationships coming back to them heathcliff and cat fucking hell i mean all it takes for you if you haven't read it to just listen to the kate bush song it's not good i mean the song is brilliant but i'm saying the relationship (laughs) (laughs) the relationship is toxic and this is something that bella prides herself on that you know, it's something out of this novel. No. And I think 
we tend to find, and I do this, and I know all my female friends do this, I know my mother does this, you get into a relationship with a man and things are bad, but then you have a pro and con this. Well, he's bad at that, but at least he doesn't do this, so that's good. No, it shouldn't be like this. Yeah, I mean, every relationship will have compromise. It's such, that's the thing, it's so complex. When we had this idea of wouldn't it be fun for us to record some of our conversations, what should we talk about? Let's talk about Twilight. Who'd have thought we'd be dealing with something so complex? I didn't think it would be. Yeah, it's such a problematic text. And I think, uh, hopefully, Mary, if you're listening, it's so complicated to answer that question. But, but it's a good question. And it, it's a and very also it's good question. And it's the complex things that make it more fun. I think there's a part of me that will always kind of have love for it. The closer up I get, the worse it looks. Um, <laughs> but from a distance... Mm. I think that for the rest of my life, there are certain images. I'm thinking particularly of like the Catherine Hardwick film. The soundtracks were a big thing for me. Oh God, that Paramore music video. I think I will always recognise a Twilight reference in another film or TV show Mm. book. Mm. And I love that. There is so much to be loved about it. Um, So if anything, I'd say I hate to love it rather than I love to hate it. (laughs) But yes, the closer up I get, and that's the nature of what we do with this podcast. But I think it's important to do that. And it doesn't have to take away your love. No. If you really love something, you should hold it to account. And it's okay. And it doesn't mean that you love it any less. No, absolutely. Going back to Wuthering Heights, I bloody love it. It is so toxic, but I still love it. You can love the work as long as you recognise the problem. My other burning question is maybe, maybe not one for now, maybe it's more of a homework. Oh God. When I was reading the hospital scene with Dr. Cullen, in my head, I had such a clear image of Gillian Anderson from Sex Education. (laughs) Particularly in that performance, I don't know if I'm going to be able to shake that from my head. How would you cast the life and death film? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. That's a difficult question to ask you on the spot, I know. So if you have any ideas, I wondered if we might maybe do a little fantasy cast on Instagram. Oh, yes. Shall we work on it? I think we should work on it. And I think we should ask everybody on Instagram as well. Thank you for joining us for chapter three of Life and Death. Join us next time for Chapter 4, Invitations. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care and stay at home. And remember, we shave on Fridays. Fridays.